Kai, and you're listening to the Mind Fruit Podcast, bringing you mental health and well-being promotion to help you live your best life. All information discussed on this podcast is research and evidence-based. However, is ultimately the opinions of the Mind Fruit Podcast. This is not a substitute to seeking professional medical advice. Hey everyone, it's Carl and Fran here. Hope you've had a good Easter. We're all chocolated out, aren't we? Yeah. The sun's in the sky, the spring's in mid-flow. We're going to have a barbecue today. Yeah, first one of the year. We can meet each other in the garden, so we're going to have my mum round and my sister and my nieces, so that'll be fun, won't it? The only issue is, is all the pollen and the uh, hay fever have been absolutely terrible the last couple of weeks. I cut the grass yesterday and I asked Carl to come out for moral support. He lasted about two minutes before he had to go back in due to the uncontrollable sneezing. <laughs> I just have to hide away when that's happening. It's just terrible. <laughs> so I apologise for the involuntary sniffing or um, heavy breathing <laughs> during this podcast because I'm just <laughs> ruined at the moment. So today we're going to be talking about our emotions and some ways in which we can learn to control them a bit more effectively. Um, But how much do you actually know about your emotions? That's the question. Yeah, you always hear people say, I'm an emotional person or I'm feeling emotional today. But what does this mean? Our emotions are complex and it can be really beneficial to learn how they work so we can begin to understand ourselves and how to control our own emotions better. Yeah, especially as our emotions play such an important role in how we behave and react day to day. They influence how we make decisions and ultimately how we live our life, which is why it's so important to understand the components of our emotions. So there are three components to an emotion. The first one is a subjective component, which is how you experience the emotion. The second is a physiological component, which is how your body reacts on the emotion. An expressive component, which is how you behave in response to the emotion. So all of these components affect the function and purpose of your emotional reactions to our life events. Emotions can be very brief, such as a quick feeling of anger or annoyance when you drop something to more long-lasting emotions due to major life events, such as bereavement or loss. This aim is never to stop these emotions from happening. It's natural because that's what makes us human. But we can learn to understand our emotions and how to better tolerate uncomfortable emotions. There are lots of different emotions that all influence our lives and how we interact with others. However, in the 1970s, psychologist Paul Ekman identified that there were six basic emotions, and these are happiness, sadness, fear, disgust, anger and surprise. There's a task I'd like us to do today, Carl. I do this exercise regularly at work, and I personally find it really useful. We're going to think of positives and negatives of these six basic emotions. We associate each emotion as positive or negative due to our own experiences and personalities. But it's important to look at these emotions less judgmentally and reflect upon what our body is trying to tell us when we experience these emotions. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. It could be useful to explore this and get more in tune with our bodies and our emotions. 
So if any of you listening would like to try this exercise with us, you can pause as we go along and have a think and then resume to listen to our discussion and ideas about the emotions we're going to talk about. So why don't we start with happiness, Carl? What do you think the positives are to feeling happy? Um, so the first thing that comes up is uh, appreciation or gratitude. So being able to appreciate a moment when happiness comes up brings a kind of warmth to the situation um another one that i would think of would be outlook having a positive outlook on things man this is really hard because we feel all these emotions but we never sit down and break them all down do we no no and this is why it can be so useful this task but it's not easy at all i struggled with it to start off with so another one, another positive I'd say would be connection. So happiness can really bring positivity and um, help you find mm. the beauty in, in somebody else that you're trying to connect with. Yeah, I definitely think we're more optimistic when we're happy. You know, aren't we? We, we set more goals, we have more motivation, we want to do more. And we can be more productive. So I definitely think that's a big thing. All right, then. So let me ask you, what are the negatives about happiness then? Okay, so I think when we're feeling overly happy, yes, we set lots of goals. But I find that they're more unachievable. They're really big. We want to do this. We want to do that. We want to go here. We want to go there. And it's just impossible for that to happen straight away. Um. I think sometimes we can do too much when we're feeling happy, we're feeling overly optimistic, we take on too much and we can wear ourselves out. And coming from a personal experience, when we're overly happy, I find that I avoid doing anything that might be negative or tough or might bring my mood down, um, which can I think can be difficult. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I, I think sometimes... When you're happy, you can misjudge a situation. Yeah. So a lot of the time, I'm Mr. Optimistic and Fran is Mrs. Pessimistic. <laughs> and uh, I can be saying, come on, Fran, you know, we've got this. And she can be telling me all the things that uh, she's preparing for the uh, worst <laughs> worst situation possible. And I'm... I'm 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 preparing for the best. So sometimes it can make you misaligned with, with a different person, uh, depending on what emotion you go to first, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it can definitely change your judgment, don't it? And uh, make you think that you can achieve things that would be difficult <laughs> to achieve straight away, if you know what I mean. Yeah. All right, so the next emotion, Carl, is sadness. So, again, do you want to start us off? Can you think of a positive for sadness, for feeling sad? Yeah. Um, so, sadness can help us really reflect on stuff. Mm. Um, it can it, it can sometimes put us in a situation where you, 
you don't feel another emotion until you've actually reflected on that. You know, you, yeah, you were. Uh, it will keep. It will keep you down until until you actually, um. Try and work through that. It's it, it's a really weighted emotion, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it can linger, can't it, until you come to accept it a little bit more and be a bit more in tune with yourself. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the time that that's what depressions can be. Like sometimes depressions can be just something you really need, an obstacle that you need to move out of your life or or, or just move it around. Yeah, sadness is a really good emotion. Mm. Yeah, I think there's an, there are a few positives to feeling, um, you know, sad. And it's you don't think of it really because sadness is so frequently associated as a negative emotion. But it can let us know our morals you know remind us of our morals if if we're sad about something it could be because we don't morally agree with what has happened or it could purely just be our body um letting us know something needs to change it could be our body letting us know we need more support more help yeah burnout is one of the biggest things that when people people get you know they push themselves too far or someone pushes them too far and they can just f- feel sad f- for a while until they, you know, relax or just, you know, step back from the situation that they're in. Mm. Um, it does seem to slow us down a lot. No, well, you you're bordering on to the the negatives of sadness there. So carry on with that, Carl. What what's the negative of feeling sad? Um, the negative of feeling sad is um. I I would say the pain, the hurt, that comes with sadness, like it it wretches up so much physical pain or 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 emotional pain, um, that it's just so uncomfortable to to experience, you know, and and in society, like I I know coming from a man, trying to express them emotions when you're supposed to be so macho and and kind of um dealing with that crying in front of someone or getting emotional in front of somebody it's it's uh it's difficult isn't it well i can only imagine it must be difficult for men to to be emotional and express sadness in in public because it you know because of the stigma Unfortunately, but but I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> <laughs> so if if you think about that, um, the way that females can talk about their problems openly um, with family or friends or even showing emotion is, you know, socially acceptable. Whereas um, men, there's been like, oh, you know, if 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 I was to tell my friend, you know, I'm I'm going through this this problem, oh, suck it up, come on, let's have a beer, you know, um, just kind of distract yourself from it instead of getting to that root problem. So I think I think we definitely need to 
reframe the way that men deal with emotions, definitely. So what other negatives can you think about, about sadness? So it's a, it's a bit like the opposite of happiness, really. We, you know, we lack motivation when we're feeling sad, don't we? We don't set many goals. We don't want to achieve much. And generally, we can be more pessimistic. Okay, so the next one is fear. Positives of fear, Carl? Well, yeah, this is an important one, isn't it? So fear is all about survival, isn't it? Yeah. It can um, can really make you feel like you're alive and that you care about what you have to live for. And, you know, um, having having that threat there can make you um, make some quite good decisions on the spot instinctually. Yeah, yeah. It, it It's definitely our body's way of keeping us safe. You know, it, it helps us to be more cautious in certain situations that could be dangerous. And it helps, you know, prepare our body to to survive doesn't it basically what you said yeah yeah but on on the flip side but the negative side um you can be very controllable when you're in a fear state yeah you might be not able to see what is really happening um this is how people get quite manipulated um when they're in that state of fear you can you can do anything to anybody that's the scary part of fear, you know. You're you can't control what's going on at the time unless you really keep your wits about you. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's re- it is really hard to think clear and make an informed, you know, good decision. You know, I know that when I was younger, I was scared of dogs, and before I'd even thought about you know any anything around me, I I was running. I was climbing up a tree. I was running across the road. I wasn't even looking if there was a car. You know, it it you make impulsive decisions. Yeah, yeah. Impulses can be just snap judgments through either fight or flight. Sometimes, when you do fight, it's not always the right thing to do. But it's you. You've only got two choices, really. And adrenaline isn't really that clever. It it will just make you do something and you've just got to think about the consequences after, really. Mm. I think one more thing is that another negative is that you can get scared of things that aren't necessarily scary. Say me, for example, I'm scared of spiders. We're in England. They can't hurt me. They're never going to hurt me. The most they can do is tickle my arm if they walk over it. But I will still scream if I see a spider. And that can make daily life quite hard when you're scared of something that's so common and small. And Yeah, but know. sometimes you'll get the fear from somebody else's fear. So it's it's contagious, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. That, um, that mindset of, oh, my God, I'm... I'm uh, I'm really af- afraid of heights. Um, where does that where does that come from? You know, it it must come from somebody else's fear of heights mm. or fear of spiders. 
it's there's such a small thing that won't be able to hurt you unless mm-hmm. you're in a really tropical country. Yeah. Where does that even when, come from? When you've got that fear, though, it's so real. Yeah, yeah. And it, that that's what makes it difficult. Yeah, we're not downplaying the, the the fear side of things, but it's nice to to question things every now and again mm. and, and and see kind of why you're driven by that fear, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. What does it stem from? Yeah. Um, the next one is disgust. The positive of disgust. Mm. Disgust. A positive would be if you don't like the taste of something, say if there's, um, say if you've had some spoiled milk, you you put it in your mouth, you spit it back out straight away, stop you from being poisoned, you know, it can stop you from, it can really stop you from, um, (laughs) Fran's face when I just said that, (laughs) was the look of disgust. Yeah, it was. But yeah, it, it can um, it can stop you from being poisoned or stop you from feeling unwell, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to be sinking a spoiled milk at this time in the morning, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've I've got written down that it it can remind us of our morals again. You know, if we're disgusted by something, it's often our body's way of telling us we don't agree with something or we don't like something that's happened. Yeah, that that's that's another thing I was going to point out as well. It's usually a morals based thing yeah. or a culture based thing. So what's disgusting to me could probably be something completely different yeah, yeah, to yeah. someone on the other side of the world. Maybe yeah, you know? yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, there's loads of gestures or uh, facial expressions or parts of body language that you you wouldn't be able to do in another country because that is there. Uh, definition of what's disgusting but um i think that's where a lot of um racial issues stem from is the understanding of where your line is um it can be really taken out of context because we're, we're we're all completely different people in in all works in all walks of life so unless you've actually been there to um you know get the culture or if you've actually taken the time out of your day to to learn about the culture or you know ask them about things then we are gonna have different points of reference on things aren't we yeah i think from what you've just said i think it's important to realize when we feel disgusted by something that somebody else has done we still need to be respectful you know we can feel that way from, yeah. you know, that's our knowledge, that's our experiences. We we can't expect to know something that we haven't learnt yet or haven't experienced. But we need to be respectful and to make sure that we're not actually saying something rude or, or out of order in, in response to your feelings of disgust. Yeah, that's the thing. You haven't got a clue what's going on in anyone no. else's head, no. what their experiences were. You know, you've only just got your own. So this whole um, kind of thing thing that we see in the media um, about people trying to censorise things, I I don't think that's coming from a bad place. I I just think where 
where your where your point of reference is and, and, and where your triggers are, um that is solely to do with you, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, that that is solely your your problem. Like if if I say something that makes you offended, or if I say something that kind of offends you that yeah. that is that is your reaction that's, to what i'm saying that's my it? problem really isn't it because you've not necessarily said that to offend me you know you can't spend your whole life tiptoeing around the possibility that you might accidentally offend somebody or upset somebody in life because it's gonna happen yeah. it's gonna happen isn't it yeah but but yeah you you, sh- you should be a bit more aware a bit more um so this is where emotional intelligence comes in so you um having compassion for somebody else and that they're feeling the same emotions that you're feeling um it helps to connect with someone better it helps to open them up um if you give yourself a bit of yourself then they're easily more receptive to give something about their self too so i think the biggest negative of disgust is it just feels uncomfortable doesn't it it just puts you in a situation you don't quite know what to do you know you're kind of there going red embarrassed in the corner because you know how do you react when you feel disgusted you know we've said it's important to still react with respect but it but it's an uncomfortable feeling isn't it to navigate yeah yeah it's um yeah, it's one of those feelings that you don't really want to express that much, isn't yeah, it? It's, yeah. uh, it's one that you, a, a lot of the time, you you do try and keep it to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Because of the repercussions it, it might have yeah. culturally. Mm. So the next one is about anger. Can you tell me a positive about anger? Yeah, so, you know, it helps us to stand up for ourselves, doesn't it? And assert dominance and authority, you know, when we need to, when we're in them certain situations where perhaps we're being threatened or, you know, so- something along them lines. It gives us the courage to to say no and stick up for ourselves. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I had the same sort of thing, really. Um, it can most of the time come from something you, you really care about yeah and you want to defend yeah again on morals so um this is it can be this is why it can be so hard to take constructive criticism that hasn't been asked for you know you can almost feel like attacked mm. and you know I, I thought i was doing this well and you've just told me i'm not so i mean anything that you feel passionate about um will sometimes present in anger um and sometimes that's not a bad thing you know it can express to someone how passionate you really do feel about that thing if if you weren't if it didn't really mean that much to you then you wouldn't get angry about it yeah 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 definitely yeah so what are the negatives of anger um you know again you can react impulsively and not really you know, think about or reflect about what, what you're going to be doing, which, you know, sometimes can put us in a bit of a tricky situation. It can lead to violence, it can lead to um, abuse, physical, verbal, and it can make us do things that we wouldn't normally do sometimes. It can distort our judgments. 
yeah, it's it's a very uncontrollable feeling, anger. Um, you you just feel it rising, and unless you have worked on being aware of yourself and 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 aware of how this happens and how you can calm yourself down, sometimes you're going to make a, a really bad decision that mm. that you'll probably regret. Mm. That's that's what I mean with with these emotions. We're we're all animals, aren't we? We're we're all really out of date machines. We're all kind of we're we're still thinking that we're in caveman land, you know, that we're going to get attacked by a lion or a or a tiger. Um, we're just out of date things that haven't haven't evolved for this really fast-paced high energy life that we're living in especially you know in england or in um america these lives are very stress driven you know very anxiety driven and your body doesn't know the difference between a stressful job a really bad day at work or a cheater coming at you so you know, sometimes you're going to make really bad decisions and you're going to say some really bad things on an animalistic viewpoint because that is still all we are and, and we need to realise that. That's why we need to kind of have some um, self-compassion. It's because we're animals. You know, we're just... We're very complex and we're, we're very... You know, we, we have the... Ability, yeah, and the intelligence to reflect and you know to to feel these emotions and and to articulate and verbalize them, you know. Mm. But we are still very infant in yeah, in we're our still primitive, aren't we? Yeah, in in, in the most sense. Mm. Yeah. So the last one is surprise, and just quickly touching on that, I think a positive of feeling surprised is. You know, it, you learn to adapt in different situations when you're surprised with something. You're forced into taking action. You, you know, you can't get out of it when it's just surprised on you. And, um, you know, when you put in them situations, that's when you do some of your best work and you can learn to adapt to lots of different situations. I think a negative of uh, surprise can be that you're put on the spot. Yeah. You know, you're... Um... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 not easy, and kind of unless you've done that work, done that education, or or done that, um, you know, those things for, or, or been in that situation before, is you're going to yeah. sink or swim with, yeah. with surprise, aren't you? Yeah, I think with surprise, it 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 feel, it can feel like a negative at the time, but in the long term, it it, it does have a positive effect. So a lot of the time we'll be in this podcast in the middle of it and then uh, we'll ask each other a question be like, oh my God, what? why did you say that? I, I never had any time to prepare for that. You just and freeze. Yeah, that, that's why there's a lot of uh, pauses or a lot of um, kind of thinking time because I'm just like, what? It's natural, isn't it? We, we, you know, sometimes we need a bit of time to just think. And I think, like, we can feel almost silly when we pause if somebody asks us something and we're kind of sat there looking up having to think about it but that's really natural actually and there's no pressure to respond quickly when somebody asks you something you know you're allowed to sit and reflect for a few minutes before you you speak 
Yeah. And I think that's what so many people don't do. You just answer impulsively and something comes out of your mouth that you <laughs> that you, that you don't want to say or that you wouldn't normally say. You know, it's okay to to stop and think about what you're going to say before you say it. Yeah, I might I might take that advice sometimes because uh Yeah, please do. <laughs> I uh <laughs> I I just sometimes have issues with word retrieval. Like I know exactly what I'm gonna say, I know exactly what I'm gonna, you know, um verbalise, but that word that I was searching for is not there. So it comes out just, in gobbledygook. It just does come out in gobbledygook. Sometimes I can put different letters from different words. So say my name's Carl Johnson, I'm going to say my name like Jarl Conson and <laughs> it ends up feeling really, really funny. But we all do it in a stressful situation where something stuck us by surprise. So now we've finished that task, I think it sums up nicely how our emotions are not designed to be good or bad. They're just signals. They are our body bringing something to our attention, sending us a message. The difficulties arise when we experience uncomfortable emotions and we struggle to deal with them or to regulate them. Man, some emotions can be like, why on earth am I feeling that? Sometimes you can feel really down whilst doing what you love. But it's always a message. It's always a reaction to an experience that you're having. And it can bring weight to a situation. As humans, we can use emotions to reflect so most of the time we go through day to day and we can't store everything in our mind because forgetting things is also productive too. But think of any clear memory you have. You most of the time think of the emotion that you had on that day. And um, I know Fran and I always cry when we watch this film Inside Out. It captures perfectly how we store our memories and what makes us up as people. If you haven't seen it, we recommend you go and watch it. Although it's aimed at kids or teens, it really hits home deeply with things that we can all resonate with. We all feel the same emotion. We can't escape that. It's all part of the human experience. They are what makes everything so meaningful. Yeah, it's definitely a valuable watch and it gives you a good insight to our emotions and what can influence them. But something which I think would be useful for you to do if you you know, feel like you struggle to manage your emotions is to spend some time trying to identify your triggers, you know, and your early warning signs. If you know what situations make you feel uncomfortable or emotional, you can forward think and prepare for these situations and emotional responses. You know, it's also important to identify what helps you when you're in these situations in these emotional states, what helps you to calm down. Perhaps it's controlling your breathing or practicing mindfulness. But knowing what calms you down or comforts you is very useful. We would never recommend that you avoid these situations that make you feel emotional. You know, the only way you'll overcome and learn to better manage these emotional responses is to persevere and to practice. So, for example, if you know you're going into a situation that will cause or trigger your anxiety or distress... You can plan what strategies to use to manage the situation more effectively. Say if you identify that when you get anxious, you get a dry mouth. You can make sure you always take a bottle of water with you. You know, you, you can do things to help yourself, control your emotions. When you have that awareness about yourself and you know, what triggers you and how you usually react to them. 
You'll know when there's a trauma-based trigger. You'll feel somewhere in your body very physical. You could feel a pulsating, a butterfly, or an actual bit of pain in your gut. When we go through a trauma, any sort of physical or mental trauma, we store it as a physical memory in our muscles. I know we only think of a memory in the brain as an image or as a playback or knowledge or imagination, but we can store memory as physical stimuli. So imagine, say you smell a perfume or some grass and it can shoot you back to that memory that you had when someone was cutting grass and it was summertime, you were happy. Or if someone was wearing that particular perfume when you went on your first date or something like that. Um, It's like that. Your triggers can be a response to what you remember. These are all stored and even if you never experience that trigger again, this memory can bring dis-ease, inflammation or chronic pain in some of your muscles. If we don't really tune in with our body in certain situations, then we'll probably never know what's happening. Sometimes we don't even know when we're triggered. Someone can say or do something or even just a gesture. You can go from happy to angry in an instant. So I want you to be aware the next time you feel angry or disgusted or sad. What happened? How did I get there? What did I hear? See? Feel? To get to this point, try and break down what the reaction was to. Really think deep down about where it came from. With becoming aware of your traumas and triggers, you really need to go inside yourself and do some rewiring, cleaning out your closet as you will. You have to notice that trauma and bring awareness to it. Where does it hurt? Is it a pain in your belly? Is it a pain in your leg? Is it a pain in your feet? The things you have to do to start improving your triggers is staying with it. Staying with the pain. Feeling all that hurt, all that all that uncomfortableness. We go through life avoiding that, avoiding those situations that you know those those situations that keep us comfortable. Avoiding things that we feel threatened by. So the reason why we cry or laugh when we remember a trauma is to keep moving that trauma in the body. So some people, and me especially, in a really sad situation, I'll just laugh. I will uncontrollably laugh and people think what's he laughing for like you know everyone else is crying and there's no real physical difference between laughing and crying it's the same movement that you do you jerk your head up and down your your body moves and it's just moving that trauma around so whether you laugh, cry, breathe, or you fancy going on a run to to get that trauma moving, these things can be really helpful 
to not always get rid of trauma long term but especially in the short term it can really help but if you can target where these where these pains and things are coming from then the more stretching the more movement the more kind of work you do around this physically you can avoid this feeling of disease this inflammation and um, some of the chronic pain that happens some of it is just physical memory from things that we uh, difficult situations that we went through in the past so our emotions can cause us to act impulsively and when we are anxious distressed or emotional in general it is really hard to think clearly therefore we can often you know, react impulsively without much thought of the consequence or just ignoring them in general you know, which can often lead to unhelpful behaviour and un- an unhelpful reaction. You know, and when you react impulsively, it's usually emotionally led. You know, we can react to our emotions so quickly at times that it's hard to interject and think rationally. One thing you can do is to just simply stop. When you feel as though you are reacting while emotionally charged, just stop. Say aloud, stop, if you need to. Put your hand up. Imagine a stop sign. Do whatever you need to do to stop. Sometimes it helps to pause or freeze. Or sometimes it helps to put distance between yourself and your trigger. Closing your eyes, turning your back or walking away. Maybe take a deep breath and reflect on the situation and put it in perspective. What is the situation and what am I reacting to? How important is this? What is the most helpful thing for me to do right now? And what will make the situation better? Now you've thought about it, you can make a more informed decision on how to proceed appropriately. Say when I'm speaking to someone and it becomes emotionally charged, I'll sometimes just use empathy. So take my mind away into what they might be feeling or experiencing. Sometimes this can stop us putting our foot in it as well. Because though you are feeling what you're feeling and reacting to that situation your own way, other people have different responses. They have different traumas, different experiences and different coping strategies. What you can say or do in the heat of the moment can really affect your character, your reputation and the way people view you. So I always think, is my reaction coming from a higher place here? Or am I just projecting my negativity onto them because of my impulses? Yeah, that's a good one. And when I feel I'm getting emotionally charged, I personally close my eyes and take a deep breath, which gives me enough time to identify which is the best way forward rather than doing something that I'd regret later. But along with impulsivity comes urges. This is when we have an impulse to engage in a certain activity. For example, I have minor OCD and have to fight the urge to get out of bed in the middle of the night to go and check that I turned off and unplugged the kettle before I went to bed the night before. You know. And along with the tip Carl just spoke about, 
A way you could help to resist your urges to, is to simply play for time. Wait. Say, I'll do it in five minutes. And then when five minutes are up, you say, okay, I'll do it in another five minutes. You know, give yourself a time goal and just keep repeating it until the urge is decreased. You know, fill this time with anything you can. You know, in regards to my example, I do this by thinking of a lot of different things, good memories. I often count to 100 and back or put a film on my phone you know, as I'm trying to fight the urge to get out of bed. But in other situations, you can fill the time with any activity to distract yourself. You know, do a puzzle, take a shower, watch your TV or clean. You know, it's completely up to you. I also think it's important to point out that this can be hard and to start with you could fail but if you manage to put off responding to your impulses for five minutes then that's five minutes of progress. The more you try the easier it will become, the longer the time will get until you fail, until you are so used to feeling the uncomfortableness of resisting that urge that you can do it. It might always be uncomfortable, but you'll learn to cope with the uncomfortable feeling. Yeah, definitely. I also want to touch on self-compassion as one of one way of better controlling and understanding our emotions is by learning to accept them. We need to be compassionate to ourselves and assign less judgment. If we're at war with ourselves for wanting to be different, when are we ever going to find the growth to change? We need to accept ourselves as we are. That doesn't mean we should be complacent. Growth and learning is essential in order to better understand ourselves and control our emotions. But the issue is, sometimes I think I know myself and I can pinpoint all the little things that irk me and the things that I probably should avoid. And then I have a reaction to a certain situation where it completely blindsides me and I think, where did that come from? So then you're always learning. We'll probably never know where all these things stem from. And that's why therapy is so popular. It can take years of really analysing yourself, really breaking it all down. Things that you pushed away that are rearing their heads. But the reality is, not everyone's going to do that. Some of the time, we just need to get out of our own way and give ourselves a leniency to make mistakes and feel things without beating ourselves up for doing things we feel bad about. Most of the things that we do or say come from a really good place somewhere deep inside. Sometimes they don't come out right or they get taken the way that it wasn't intended to be. But this is what makes us so individual. That's what makes life so different so dynamic because our actions and our projections are our own so we have to own it but also admit when we're wrong and own that too we get things wrong we're human we've got nothing else to offer than what we have we've got to work with what we've got as long as you speak your truth and own it then you'll be okay The way I react to my own shortfalls is with humour. So when I spill a drink, which is all the time, instead of saying, what's going on? What did I do that for? I'll say, oh, bloody hell, how clumsy am I? Or have you ever met a clumsier person? And laugh it off because that's just me and I've accepted that. I'm not going to be able to change that. 
it's not that easy to love yourself and that's a different story but having some compassion for how we might be feeling based on all of this can really help us out and refrain from always having a bad time because of things we can't control. I know we've been programmed through work or school to believe that this life is a test, but it's not. Sometimes it just is what it is. Before we end this week's podcast, I want to give you another way to grow your compassion towards yourself, and that is by challenging your self-critical thoughts and challenging them with a compassionate one. So, for example... I often think, man, I should be better at drawing for the amount that I've practised. But then I make a conscious effort to say, I can't expect myself to be amazing at something straight away. It takes years to master a skill and I will get there if I continue to practise. So, you know, you can challenge your thoughts in your head. You can say them aloud or write them down in a table format, perhaps, whichever works for you. But challenge every self-critical thought you can identify. It will take time. But the more you are kind to yourself, the more subconscious and ordinary it will become. And in the words of Gandhi, true joy is when your thoughts, words and actions are aligned with your purpose. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode, which is going to be on social interaction and relationships. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To get more of this content, hit that subscribe button. And if you're watching on YouTube, ring that bell. It'll notify you every time we upload. Check out our weekly blog at mind-fruit.co.uk. We hope to see you next week for Wellbeing Wednesday.